2021. Uh, wow. First time getting into all the all the things that have happened in just six days. Uh, insane. Um, kind of looked into the Oklahoma road trip there, the the near the near comeback in Norman, and then the stunner in Stillwater. Um, and we view all those things through the Oscarless prism for the first time because you know it, it is the first time to kind of look at this thing without the Big O and where it leaves the Mountaineer basketball program moving forward. Uh, we also get into the Liberty Bowl victory over Army, and it was a big one, and kind of where it leaves Neil and the boys moving forward. Uh, looking into year, I guess we'll call it year three, uh, or figure out a term for year zero asterisk. Maybe it's year one <laughs> coming up for Neil um, next year. But where it leaves him, and you know, the questions about Daigie and, and Kendall obviously is left, so that'll be real interesting. We also uh, kind of try and make sense of maybe what's going on in Huntington with Doc Holiday leaving and where that leaves Marshall and a few names to kind of ponder as to potential potential next head football coaches there for Marshall. And finally, I'll give you a little bit of a scalding hot take on Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields. And um, it may not be as popular as, uh, you know, with some. It uh, may, not, may not be the most consensus number one pick there in Trevor Lawrence, at least in my opinion. Um, but you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab the coffee, Phil style. If it's in the evening, grab the drink. Come on back because we are getting all in to the Mountaineer Hoops uh, weekend in Oklahoma and that Liberty Bowl win over Army here on the porch. What's going on there, Zach? A lot has changed in the year of uh, 2021 already. You can say that again. It's man. been a whirlwind so far. A week, man. I mean, it was just been a week since we were essentially sitting here getting ready to talk about uh, Mountaineers and Army playing in Liberty Bowl, and then, damn, I mean, wow. Liberty Bowl's like, almost, uh, almost forgotten about at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about, man. 2020 – Goes out with a Mountaineer win, and then it's like, man, we're sitting here now, and it's it's like fifth or sixth on the uh, on the depth chart at this point in time. We'll make sure to cover regardless. Yeah, I mean, hell, why not? You know, but uh, so I mean, obviously, I think everything starts and begins now when we're talking hoops. With what I mean, you kind of were talking to me about it. The, the wee hours, maybe I think it was after twenty twenty one. I think after the ball dropped was when we finally started. Knowing this might be a possibility, but uh, the Big O no longer with with the Mountaineers, and um, very, uh, very, very interesting situation to say the least. A lot of speculation as to why he's gone. I guess we'll find out more in the coming weeks and months. But yeah, Shibway no longer with the program. Um, shocked was the first word that came to my mind. That's an understatement on that word, really, on this situation. I mean, flabbergasted just kind of uh, doesn't even begin to kind of um, to describe it at this point in time, really. When, when you think about it, how it initially happens, but then once you start seeing the smoke and the fire that was coming out of it, maybe it becomes more a little more believable the more the longer we kind of are separated from Oscar at this point in time. It's, it kind of seems that way, right? Because the more you hear. Well, Huggins hasn't talked about it much after the bit he talked about it the day it happened. But 
I guess the day after it happened. And it was just so contentious, it seemed. And the more you hear about details coming out after the fact, it's like, okay, I can see how inside the program it probably looked like this was going to happen. And the people that were closest to it probably had an inclination that this could happen. From our perspective, we're like, what? How? Why? What? Exactly. Well, you know, Zach, it's funny. I, I went back and listened to some of Hugs' radio show on Monday um, before the Northeastern game, right? And some of the comments that you hear, um, you know, about, well, maybe I don't know what a pro is anymore. And just different little things that some he jabs. said. Some jabs. And, um, you know, maybe I'm listening to it now with a keener eye. You're a keener, keener eye. You know, it's a little more with a kind of listening more intently, I guess you could say. Um, to to kind of his words and kind of how they portray to the situation, but uh, you know, some interesting things, man. Almost like saying like, hmm, these guys that are in the AAU circuit, they know what a pro is, but you know, a potential Hall of Fame coach doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, they could try and say he doesn't. You know, the, I don't know what it is anymore. Part of it is real interesting because I mean, he hasn't had the pros, and we haven't really had the NBA guys, um, you know, come through the program doesn't necessarily mean that hugs can't get guys in the nba we saw that plenty when he was at cincinnati and kansas state mm. yeah i mean those major aau guys they come out and by and large they are the guys that end up going to the league and who make the most noise but for some reason this type of player these days and i won't call them soft because by and large, I wouldn't say they're soft players, but they don't necessarily fit into the style of ball and the way that Hugs approaches his teams. He's got a hard-nosed approach. Everybody knows that. That's not a secret. So I think that the thought with Oscar was, and we were all thrilled when Huggins landed him, is that his perceived work ethic, his hustle, his grind would fit in with that style that Hugs likes to play, even though he was a McDonald's All-American. And I guess that's just not the yeah. case. Well, you know what I think it is, Zach? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a little limb here and say there's also just been a lot of sh- kind of some shady characters yep. rolling around um, in, in Oscar circle. And I think that's partly due to what we have going on in the world right now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Everybody wants hands and you know, pockets. Well, uh, not only that, but I think the uh, the general kind of state of, you know, COVID um, wasn't necessarily as a probably as a together group, maybe, as you'd like it to be. Mm-hmm as well this year because of the virus at the start and and kind of maybe allowed some people to get in his ear and do some different things. Um, You know, and I think one thing that seems pretty apparent from people that you talk to is that Oscar obviously had his eye on the pros. And um, I think he kind of thought that maybe things were done differently here at West Virginia than what they were. Yeah, I think that is a, as a possibility, Oscar might've come in with the, idea that he was a one-and-done type and maybe Huggins I'm sure Huggins told him that he wasn't quite ready after his freshman year to make that leap while I'm sure that he would have made it onto an NBA team he may not have been drafted but he wasn't quite ready and I'm sure that he heard from a lot of people who aren't quite as friendly to the program as Huggins would like which he even mentioned that there are people within the state who he never would have expected in a million years to be those kinds of people they may have been responsible for Oscar having this idea to move along and go elsewhere. Or if he decides not to even transfer, just go straight to the league, which I think personally would be a horrible mistake on his part. Maybe that was just what 
I'm I'm also reading now. I'm reading now that Zach that he is he has entered the transfer portal. I read that as well. Yeah, so that seems to be, you know, seems to be a for sure thing. But you know, my perspective on it from his from his side of view is like a guy who doesn't play a lot of hasn't played a lot of basketball to now be not playing games for a semester that doesn't do your pro stock any good there, buddy. Not a bit. Um, but go ahead there. I know I've, I've seen Kentucky's name pop back in the picture. Imagine that a guy who's <laughs> potentially looking for dollar dollar bills. Y'all is uh, going to maybe look at Kentucky um, and they need help. I mean, with that two and seven team or Oof. maybe three and 16. Now I don't know what they're at. SEC so weak. They've been able to kind of grind out a couple, couple dubs in that league to this point. But I mean, and then Miami, I mean, yeah, you know, interesting the, the Adidas connections there. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I mean, Bill Self's just seen him enough now to where it's like, mm, maybe I don't want this guy on my team now at this point in time. Oh, I've had enough problems with uh, Adidas. Let's just add more to the fire. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we'd literally start an FBI, you know, deep state investigation ourselves if Oscar went to Kansas. So I think Self knows that he can self preservation here. He's got to, he's got to realize he, you know, can't go too far deep. Nice play on words there. Hey, it's not the same, man. It's, it's, <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on in the world, isn't there? Oh yeah. That, that, let's put it that way. And then that's that might even be uh, that might even be as crazy um, when it goes to that in terms of basketball, man. So I mean, that's just you you talk about you talk about a wild scenario there. But I mean, honestly, Zach, we've already talked here for too long about Oscar Sheepway, buddy. Um, he's no longer with the team. And I'm excited to see where the team goes without him at this point in time. If he didn't want to be there, I'm I'm glad he's no longer there. Let's put it that way. I think that's kind of the way to look at it from this point in time, right? I completely agree. I wish nothing but the best for him or any Mountaineer to come through or, hell, any any college athlete. They are kids. They've got to make their own decisions. Absolutely. And they've, you know, he's made his. I hope nothing but the best for him. And wherever he ends up going next, I hope nothing but the best and continued success. But you know what, though? And on the backside of that, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. You're right about it. Yeah. I mean, hey, I want you to have all the success in the world, but quite honestly, get the fuck out of that locker room, bud. <laughs> yep. We'll be better off without that toxicity. Yep. yep. See you later. Let's uh, continue to move forward and uh, get ready for the rest of this this grind that Big 12 play is, you know? So, um, and, and man, is it a grind? I mean, and then you got to go out right after this news, right? And you got to go play two good teams. Um, on their floors, you know, in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and proved to be an interesting uh, what a tale of would you say a first half and then a second half in each of those ball games for sure at that point. I'd say that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so too. Uh, honestly, it it kills me just to touch on Oklahoma briefly because you know Oklahoma State was a hell of a story, hell of a game, and we'll get to that, but. Yeah. I'm actually watching the Oklahoma Baylor game right now, and Oklahoma is shooting like complete ass. They made one three pointer yeah. in the first half, shot 21% from the floor. And quite honestly, they didn't shoot that great against us, but they had one they guy made in a Gibson. barrage when they needed to, though, too. Gibson absolutely shredded us. And yeah. I'm fairly well, certain that he guy, wasn't at the top of the list on the de- or on the uh, scouting report. No, no, no. I think they had Reeves pretty much. The kind of uh, figured out and and Reeves didn't kill you. I mean, Reeves didn't kill you. He did a pretty decent job on Manic, you know, despite him sharpening bows mm-hmm. um, all day. 
you know, trying to look like Larry Legend. Manic, you're not Larry Legend, but you know, but hey, good. You're mean. I'll good give him attempt. this. He's committed to he's committed to the hate. Absolutely. Folks. I'll give him that. Flops around there pretty good. I'm you know, I, I can't hate on him for it. But I mean, I'll tell you what though, Zach, Oklahoma's kind of at times looked solid in this game, but then it's like Baylor just gets on these runs and then their defense is so good. And I think that's part of the reason why Oklahoma's shooting so bad tonight. Our defense in the half court, man. Mm. It's not where it needs to be right now. Now, granted, we saw a lot better half-court defense there in the uh, second half against Oklahoma State. Um, I mean, would you say we played good good half-court defense in the second half against Oklahoma as well? Um, or you think that was just kind of their lack of shooting and just kind of allowing us to get back in? I mean, because I'll be honest, Zach, in the second half of the Oklahoma game, I was, I was distraught. I, I couldn't take it. I decided to flip over and watch the Fiesta Bowl. I came back to it and watched little bits and pieces of it, but um, I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't. I didn't go all the way through it, and I kind of picked it back up when we we're down like five. I should have just held off. We might have pulled it all the way off. Um, had a buddy who was literally just said he he got on the treadmill and then he continued to stay on it, and it was on it for about fifty five minutes. He said it was grinding and almost pulled it off. But uh, you know, I, I, man, what do you think about that second half defensively? Was it better? Well, I wouldn't say it was a lot better because they still had a ton of open shots. They were getting really good looks, and they just didn't make them. The only guy who was making shots for them mm-hmm. was Gibson, and, hell, he made eight three-pointers. He had what coming into that game? Seven? I mean, he averaged seven points a game, not even seven. I mean, just averaged seven points a game, and a guy makes eight threes. It was just completely Crying out of loud. nowhere. But regardless, you're going to have that, and he put the team on his back and gave it to us. But – it was probably at least a little better than the first half, but the last 10 minutes, well, last 12 minutes, I should say, of the Oklahoma State game, that's when they really turned it on. And I know we're going to talk about this guy quite a bit throughout this podcast, and I will by myself. I'm sure you will as well, but Keedy Johnson just provided an outrageous spark to that offense and specifically defense. He was just flying all over the place, getting on the ball, you're getting on the ground after the ball, staying in front of his man, just not reaching necessarily, but he was just poking at the basketball. He was everywhere, deflecting passes. He got a little over-exuberant at times and had some fouls that he probably could have avoided, but I think that he was just really amped up, and we need that. We don't have all the energy yes. we need at times, and he absolutely provided it that provided night. Provided it, provided it in spades, yeah. man. I mean, and, and, and let's, let's say this about Keedy Johnson. A guy who has the has all the talent in the world. I mean, you see some of his highlights down there in the JUCO ranks. I mean, guy has has a motor. He has an ability to, like you said, create a spark, create ignition. And man, I really like the fact that it's he seems to really have it on the defensive end. Because let's be real about this, real quick. Most of the JUCO guys that Hugs brings in, the problem sometimes isn't necessarily. Um, you know, you think about some of a Casey Mitchell type. You know, sort of sometimes they, the defensive side, Tavon Myers, guys didn't want to play defense, right? Keith Johnson, that's not a problem. No. Man. I mean, he's gritty. He is all about it. I mean, he, I, he reminds me, not necessarily, I'm not going to say he's that type of player, but kind of his ascension could be like a Tariq Phillip um, in terms of how he's going to continue to start getting minutes in a, in a smaller, you know, we're not going to say press Virginia return quite yet, but kind of a, um, more of a return to that style of basketball. And that's going to be huge that he's kind of a guy who we can get those minutes from. And let's be honest here real quick. I mean, 25 minutes for him 
won a on on Monday night there in Stillwater, nine points, five assists. Like you said, just the absolute on ball pressure, which we have not been able to get um, at times. And man, I just think it just having him out there with this small lineup, it's going to do a lot of wonders for us, man. Especially if you have Taz or Sean making shots. Um, we do need to get Derek help down on down low though with this lineup, Zach. I think that's the biggest key right now. Granted, no bridges the other night due to foul trouble, and I think that you know hurt us um, at times in that game, but. We saw what he could do against Oklahoma. He's going to have to help him on the glass. So is Emmett Matthews. That's going to be crucial, I think, for the success of this team. I agree entirely. And one thing that Huggins has talked about besides JB's ability to shoot is his length and his ability to rebound. And he has got to provide that, even if it's five rebounds a game, it is it is something. He has to provide that aspect because Oscar – or shoot, I'm sorry. Wow. That's gonna be get hard to get hey, used I mean, to, you know but what? it happens. We'll have a ta- we'll have a tally marker. We'll that's tally that's marker one times that we that we talk about one. Yeah, that's one. Col- okay, that's Culver's fine. not gonna go out there every night and get nineteen rebounds. It's just not gonna happen. And it was awesome that he was able to do that against Oklahoma State. But that's hard as hell to do, man. I could see him getting twelve yeah, to fourteen we- on a nightly basis. Sure, he's just he's that good. But we have got to get some help from Bridges, and absolutely have to get it from Matthews too because he's long. He's got to assert himself, and there were times, especially against Oklahoma, he was just kind of, I don't know, very soft. soft. He he let Manic out out muscle him a couple times, and I mean, look at the guy. He he looks a lot like mm-hmm. Larry in his body type, and not to say anything against Larry Bird, but goodness gracious, I don't think Manic should be. Not I don't shooter. think Manic should be. Not the no, there he is. and I don't think Manic should be down there getting rebounds over Matthews considering Matthews is a, is a better athlete and he should be able to reach up there and grab him from Manic. He just was being out physical, but we can't have that. It's like, it's like Zach. I mean, let's, let's just be honest about this. Emmett Matthews in 24 minutes there against Oklahoma state gets mm-hmm. one rebound. I, I mean, can't happen. it's, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it can't happen, but you know, but you know, the problem is, man, it seems to happen a lot more often than it should with him. And I like him, Matthews. I like the bounce that he has. I think that dunk in the second, you know, cut it to five there in the second half was huge. But, I mean, the dude, the dude, I don't know. I mean, granted, I look at some of these games. He gets six against North Texas, six against Richmond, six against Kansas, five against Northeastern, four against – but it, he's not he's not a great rebounder. I don't think he commits maybe to rebounding. Um, and he's kind of looking sometimes to get out on the break mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more often than, than – and I think we're going to need some help with him, with Derek, if we're really going to hope to um, control the glass. I mean, but then again, I mean, Culver, maybe he gets more rebounds now, Zach, because Oscar isn't there to take some of his Oh, he definitely will. Too. I don't think there's a question about it, but 19, good grief. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, though? I mean, how – it was a pretty easy 19 rebounds for him, though, if you think about it. It wasn't like he was working that hard to get them. I mean, it just felt like he was grabbing every single one of them that came off the – came off the glass um i mean he's he has that type of ability though as a rebounder i I think i mean it's granted to get 19 a game is is asking is asking crazy but i mean he i think he could get it could like you said i guess 13 to 14 is probably within the realm of possibility yeah i think that's more along the lines but he i mean he will absolutely approach 20 on any given night but one thing that i think is going to happen and it'll have to happen and it'll require a little bit of time is 
to adjust to life without Oscar because, like you said, that news came out mm-hmm. two days before we played Oklahoma, and that's not something the team was prepared for, I'm sure. They've only had, what, one or two practices maybe without him. I mean, really, I mean, you might have had one a walkthrough potentially before you right, left. Right, and that's not a lot of time um, to shift your focus, kind of assume different roles on the fly, and also you're going to have a complete mentality shift and a complete uh, philosophy shift because the kind of team you are with both Oscar mm-hmm. and Derek is totally different from what you're going to be moving forward. And they have to adjust for that. That's going to take time. It's going to take some reps. And I think they'll continue to get better. And you saw in flashes, particularly in both second halves in Oklahoma, what they can be offensively specifically and at times what they can be defensively when they're flying around and have that energy. But again, they have to adjust to that. They have to acclimate to that mentality. And I think they will. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, and I think part part of that um, acclimation is is with Derek, right? Because he has to realize how now important he is to the team. And I think in that Oklahoma game, maybe he fully wasn't quite there on how important he was to the team. Kind of let some things get in in his head. Um, you know, the manic or the, not the manic, but the Austin Reeves flop when he's running. Well, how about you pluralize that flops? Kind of just put the S on there. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, I don't want, the one in particular I remember is literally he's running mm-hmm. up the floor and he, and like Culver just, ru- just, you know, running, doing his thing. And Reeves like zigzags, like he's like, you know, um, taking a lazy river type thing, snake style right into Culver. And it's like, okay, what is this? And it, it let oh, Culver yeah. get to him. Um, I mean, 100%. And Zach, you know, something I do want to say though here, real quick, I'm looking at Culver's rebounding stats, right? Other than that weird Texas Western Kentucky game where he only got one, uh, crazily enough, the dude, I mean, his games where he didn't rebound as well, Kansas a loss, eight, Oklahoma lost mm-hmm. six. I mean, he had only had four against Northeastern, but that's due to limited minutes um, and whatnot. But, I mean, every other game, the dude's grabbing nine to ten rebounds. And even Kansas, we say that's a bad game with eight. So, I mean, I think with more opportunities, I, I think it could be very easily we see – him getting close to that approaching that 19 figure more often than I think we maybe even think he's going to. I really, if think. we're going to be successful, especially the way he rebounds on the offensive on the offense. Oh, yeah. class, I mean, that's, that's as crucial as anything. And I think he's going to get more defensive rebounds too, because he is the guy that has to clear it for us now. But I think our guards are going to have to be crucial in that too. You know, during press Virginia, we were still a good rebounding team and we didn't necessarily all, we had a three guard lineup a lot. So, just going to have a mentality, I think, if Taz Sherman can rebound, don't you think? I mean, Sean McNeil got a few big rebounds there the other night against Oklahoma State. Um, Keedy, what with the offensive rebound and the touch pass, mm-hmm. was a nice play. I mean, during the comeback, I mean, I just have a feeling that that mentality for rebounding from the guards is also going to definitely come a long way here as we continue to move forward in a conference play. Yeah, I mean, Culver, he's obviously – unquestionably the best rebounder on the team now that Oscar's gone, and he's going to have to play like it. He's going to have to get double-digit rebounds on a nightly basis, sometimes go up to 20 like we talked about. But he's going to have to have some help from his friends. One thing overall that we got to think about, the way basketball is anymore across the landscape of America, you're not running 
two big guys in a traditional sense. Like you're going to have a guy who's got some size at the four, but he's going to be able to stretch the floor. And that's pretty much every team across America. And we can acclimate to that. We can adjust and have Culver as your main big, but we're going to play a different style. And that's going to take some getting used to, and hopefully it'll happen quickly. But like we talked about, Culver can't do it on the glass by himself. No. So we're going to have to crash more, maybe not get the chance to run out and transition quite as much because we have to crash more. But that's something they'll they'll get used to. Yeah, absolutely. And, man, he's going to have to get by with a little help from his friends, man. You know, like like the old uh, the karaoke favorite says, man, he's going to need it, um, especially on the glass. Hopefully Bridges is that guy who can provide that. Um, but, I mean, Zach, let's, let's kind of get in here into the nuts and bolts here of this comeback versus Oklahoma state, um, man, you're sitting there at halftime. We're kind of keeping it alive. We're only down, you know, seven at one point, even though they're shooting the lights out, we've got a little bit of foul trouble, but not necessarily a ton. And then they make the three to go up 10 and a half. And it's like, man, this is not looking good. Right. And, and, but, but you're also thinking, you know, we've, we've done some things to hang around in this basketball game, despite not shooting, or despite them shooting the lights out, right? And then they finally get up to that 19-point lead, and you're just like, man, this is just – this just might be a little too much tonight, right? And then, boom, the onslaught occurs. Yeah, I – at that point when they got down 19, I was just distraught. Like you were talking about being in the Oklahoma game, I was pretty much checked out. I didn't think there was any chance that they were going to have any shot at coming back in that game. I was just kind of glazed over. But then you start hitting some shots, and then you start kind of getting up in Oklahoma State's business on defense, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. all right, yep, they're yep. showing a little fight, and then they get closer yep. and closer, and you're like, holy shit, this here we go, happen. we're in it. Well, dude, I'll, I'll tell you what, Zach. It's funny because I, I, I think part of the reason I was a little more invested was because I was invested. Um, I had this plus nine and a half in game and plus twelve and a half, right? So I was like, all right, you know, I want us to you know come back, and make it something, kind of be scrappy at least. And uh, that just all of a sudden just kind of starts, you know, you can see it coming, man. I mean, so we go to the break, right, with 11 minutes, and then they come out and make a shot or, you know, something. There, They go up 19. It's 68 to 49. And we get the big Taz three-pointer in the corner. We get a, a Keedy block, right, and then a deuce three, all in a span of about a minute of kind of on, on the floor time. And then boom, you're down, you're down 13 all of a sudden, right? Bam, bam, big threes. And they kind of even said at that time, it's like, man, perimeter shooting is going to be huge if West Virginia is going to make a run. And it obviously is. Um, I remember the Deuce and Taz both got nice, nice looks, you know, penetrated, kind of ran the floor in transition, got threes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how that's kind of how it got kicked, obviously. But then also Keaty making a nice block at that point in time, right? Um you feel like at this point in time you're you're starting to cut down into it a little bit. You think you have a chance or you still kind of glaze your eyes over at that point? Oh no. Once once that hit, I was like, okay, I kind of perked up a little bit. It's like the these guys are starting to put it together a bit, get a little hot. And we are such a team of runs, just like most teams out there. I mean, it's a game of runs in general, but we thrive when we can really get the ball rolling and we when we have those moments, it's almost even more more prominent of runs than I see other teams take on because we can just 
completely smother a team on defense and start stroking on offense all at once. And it just comes out of nowhere. It's like you're struggling like crazy and it's a totally different team shows up. It's wild. But it, it, it's full it, on energy and onslaught. I mean, oh man, it really it's is ruthless. You know what? So it's like even at that point, right? In in, in certain point in time, there you had a, kind of a one and one miss situation there with Culver, um, and and Keedy makes that nice play on the on the offensive rebound to Taz, the little touch pass kind of tip play in the air to get us down ten, and then you have the loose ball that gets on the floor, Deuce. Goes the line, makes two free throws. You're down eight at that point in time. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, that put Cunningham at four fouls. Yes, it did. Huge play. You know, yeah. and I'm not a huge fan of, of officials getting kind of um, involved on loose balls on the floor. But in a situation when a dude drives, when both dudes are not both going for the ball, one dude clearly is going to get the basketball and the other dude goes over the top of them, that spot, the foul has to be called. And, and it was correctly called on old uh, Kate Cunningham, but getting his fourth and having him having to go to the bench there was huge, was a huge kind of break, I think, for us. Yeah, when he was on when he was on the bench, it was a totally different ball game because everything they do runs through him. Likely is obviously awesome, but he benefits a lot from having Cunningham on the floor, and mm-hmm. it showed. Yep. And when Cunningham wasn't out there, that's when we did most of our damage. Not to say that we didn't do plenty we were, well when he was back out yeah. there, but that was when yeah. we really got a, a chance to strike. Well, it's like, you know, we kind of did enough work with him with him on the floor. Then you get it down to eight with him off the floor, right? Um, you, you were able to kind of – Keedy gets in there, draws a foul. I really liked what just the way he was also kind of went to the flow offensively with the team, which I think is the biggest improvement from him from when we saw him early in the season – Early on, when he got the ball on offense, he was very, you know, kind of tentative with it, panicky with it. He didn't look panicky with it on Monday night, which I think Not is a bad. huge thing, man. And that development for him, he steps down, makes both free throws. You're down seven. Then, then the play that I think we all both kind of mentioned, but the one where it's like, okay, everybody's ears probably started perking up a little bit, was, you know, get Keating and DC to get that guy in the corner, trap him up a little bit. They throw there and pass. Deuce kind of deflects it down to Emmett Matthews. He decides to slam it down. We're down five. You go to the eight, under eight minute timeout. It's like all okay, the energy fellas. was in our yeah, court. It was. And you know what's funny about that is really literally just a few minutes before that, you know, once K got his fourth and the, and Boone had his fourth and they were starting to get a little foul trouble. Bob was shooting on the telecast goes, Man, Boykin and Oklahoma State just want this clock to melt away. Mm-hmm. You know, he it was like you could foresee it coming. Um, and and it really was. Uh, you know, they come out, they make a shot, but then Keedy, big three, gets it down four, right? And you're like, okay, this, you know, granted, granted, you know, I also think it was big when we were in that stretch with them when we were down four. We were all we even though they kept they kept making a few buckets here and there, we kept answering and we answered by going inside to Derek Culver. Huge. Both of those both of those plays that he made on a night when he goes twenty two and nineteen. I think he showed another level of maturity one Monday night, Zach. I agree entirely. He he might have played his best game in a West Virginia uniform that night. And one thing that I loved beyond the fact that he grabbed 19 rebounds, beyond the fact that he scored 22 and he was big in spots and could be a go-to guy to get you a bucket. One thing that I love to see and one thing that's going to help his future NBA stock 
he manned up on Cunningham oh, there at the end. Yes, he like did. An NBA, a prototypical NBA big that you see nowadays. He was absolutely in his grill. His footwork was excellent. If he can put that on tape moving forward a little bit, that's not only going to help us, but that's going to help him make some money down the road. Oh, huge, huge. I mean, he essentially kind of, for the most part, shut down Cunningham at the very end of the basketball game there on, on big – when there were big, big, big things going on mm. and kind of when they needed Cunningham to kind of be the dude, right? Derek Culver was our dude on the defensive end and kind of a stopper, sort of in that Javon Carter type mold um, where it was like, you know what? Nobody's scoring on us here, guys. Don't worry. Right. You know, we're going to lie. He had that block here. at the end too. I mean, he was everywhere that down yeah. the stretch of that game. It was awesome to see. I mean, it absolutely was, you know, Culver, Big, you know, get the big rebound. And man, I'll tell you, possession, Zach, that's huge in the game. Um, maybe doesn't, maybe doesn't get all the acclaim, but I think the one that's as big as anyone in that game, we're down 75 to 71. Um, Culver, you know, you have the situation where they, they had just kind of got it back. I don't think we, we didn't make a shot on the other end and gave us a boy and is able to come from over the top um, on that entry pass into the post and gets the steal, which then ends up kind of running into a deuce two-pointer, gets us – I think deuce goes to the line maybe. Or some, at some point in time off that possession, we get two points from deuce. I can't remember if he went to the – took it to the basket, got a free throw. That's That might have been the one where we thought Cunningham had his fifth, correct? That one, correct? Yeah, when Boone got his fifth yeah, there. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. And so – you you go you know everybody goes to timeout we're bound for it's like okay man we're we're right here and Deuce comes out of it makes the makes the two free throws get another stop defensively and then that's when the true magic happens for Deuce McBride. That whole second half was magical for Deuce. Yeah, and he, he only had two points in the first half, Zach. He outscored in that last twelve minutes, I believe. Once he got to sixty-eight forty-nine, I believe Deuce outscored them seventeen to sixteen down that stretch. That is nuts. He could yeah. do no wrong. That's uh that's <laughs> that is wild. He outscored them himself. Yeah. And I wanna jump back to the Oklahoma game just for a second, just to highlight the second half performance. Fifty one points in the second half against Oklahoma, just yeah. shooting the lights out. Fifty two points in the second half against Oklahoma State. If I'm not saying you're gonna consistently score in the fifties in any half but if that's what this offense can be scoring wise, that's something we haven't seen in the entirety of Hugs' tenure here. And the defense is going to take some work. It's going to need to continue to progress because but we're going like to talk about by and large, it was not pretty in that game in particular, but in the second half, you saw a lot more flashes of what they can do when they really are feeling it, when they got the fire under them. And if you can put those two things together, man, that's, that's going to be a tough team down the stretch. And, this this team may not get a top end seed line. They may not get a two seed like we thought they would, because they're going to need some time to grow. These are two teams that are probably middle of the pack in the conference, so they're going to lose more games in conference. That's for sure. I disagree with that though, Zach. About those two okay. teams in the middle of the pack, because I think this league is so tough anyway. To say just because they're middle of the pack doesn't mean they're not tournament team. Oh, right. absolutely. Absolutely um, not. And, and, and not necessarily even saying that they're not a top 25. I mean, Oklahoma State just beat Texas Tech the other night. You know, yeah, I mean, they had just oh, beat definitely. them on the floor. And Texas Tech is an upper echelon team, right? Um, 
you know, obviously these next two games that we have coming up are going to be huge keys and kind of huge barometers or tests of where we're at uh, with this team moving. But like you said about the scoring, man, if we can – if and this team is like a team in November now, right? I mean, without Oscar, without Cottrell now, this is a totally different style of team, and they've got to learn how to play with one another and together. And it's going to take a little bit of time, yes. But I tell you what, um, I'm not necessarily disappointed with us, you know, shooting 10 to 20, 14, what, 14 to 24 against Oklahoma from the three point line and then 9 to 24 against Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'm okay that's, with that. That's not, that's I mean, not too bad. <laughs> no. Second half, you were 15 and 19 from the, from the free throw line. I mean, good things for sure. And I'm really excited to see this game against Texas now. Um, coming off this performance, and also, you know, Zach, I know we, you know, we said we kind of got to the magic of Deuce, and you know, making those making those big shots. I mean, the second that ball left his hand in the corner when we were down two, knew it was in. Oh, knew yeah. it was in. I mean, it was just like this is that was so pure, so pretty, and man, great ball movement to get him that open shot. It looked like like how we looked against against other teams defensively, right? I mean, but man, so impressive. I mean, and and to hit that shot in that moment was big. And the man, I mean, to get the stop, obviously, um, you know, and, and then for, for Deuce to come down and just no hesitation and just, I'm putting this ball up from this spot and just to drill it the way he did just spoke volumes of the ice water in his veins. And like Fran said, man, I mean, nobody in Cincinnati was surprised. Guy's a winner. He's a grinder. And there's been a couple games this year where he's just said, we're not losing this game. Get on my back. And I mean, Georgetown comes to mind. Uh, this game here tonight comes to mind. He he's a gamer, man. You you are glad that Deuce McBride is wearing the old gold and blue because yeah. any given he, night I'm glad he didn't pull an Oscar because oh god, we're in big time trouble. <laughs> That'd have been crippling, but yeah. he's not the kind. He he's a true mountaineer. Not to say, well, hell, Oscar wasn't true mountaineer. Yeah. If he was, he wouldn't have left. Yeah, not trying to talk shit on the guy. That's just the way it is. But I mean, you kept hearing throughout the night and I tweeted something about it. Ice likely ice likely first time I've ever heard him go by ice. You want to talk about who had some freaking ice in their veins. That's Deuce Deuce McBride. Mm -hmm. He he was absolutely stroking at the biggest moments. Three after three, he stepped up just walking down the court, pulled up from NBA range cash, had a nice fadeaway jumper on the baseline money. Oh, I mean, that that shot did not do any wrong. That shot there was the biggest shot of the night. Um, that takes some balls. I mean, when you think about that shot, though, right? I mean, you've gotten the lead back. They've kind of – Cunningham's going back and making his couple shots, you know, here and there on, on his possessions back-to-backers. But you've you've responded, and then Deuce responds again. And coming on – I mean, essentially just the way he curled off that perfect position, was just ready to fire. And like you said, I mean, an incredible, incredible play. Gamer, ice water in the veins – um, but man, Deuce McBride going back to what he knows though as well. He's not always a three point shooter. I mean, the guy has a great mid range game, and it essentially allowed us to steal that win. Although I will say the free throw line got me a little nervous there at the end, Zach. Sean missing one, Key missing mm-hmm. one. You know, it allowed it allowed it allowed them to be able to be in a position where they had a shot at the end to tie the game. That's something you never want to see, and yeah. it's happened to us in years past. You know, as recently as the Press Virginia team, and hell, even with some of these guys with leads that we've blown in the past few years. But 
I'm hoping that Culver can overcome that because he's he's going to get to the free throw line more than anybody else. He gets all the harm down there on the post, which McBride got to the line six times also. Sherman got to the line seven times. That's something you want to see. Hell, Keaton got to the line six times. Those are the guys you want to see getting the majority of your free throws because obviously they're the ones who can make them more effectively. But th- when it mattered, they made the free throws they had to make. They did miss some here and there, yeah. but hopefully 19, it can improve. 15 and 19 in the second half is still amazing. But Absolutely. Man, I'll tell you what, you remember a couple of the ones they missed too, didn't you? Though? I know I did. Um, Inopportune. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. But you know what, though? Again, just the – just, I feel like just the way that they were able to to kind of grind this thing out, man. And and once they got the lead this time, Boa constricted it and found a way to hold it on and get it into the house, right? You know what I mean? It was just incredible. Um, like, you know, Fran was saying on the telecast, win for the ages. I mean, it was a great win. It's one of those ones you remember, man. Like, I remember the St. John's one back in the Final Four team. I remember the Ohio State comeback in the second half. And that's sometimes those great – the Missouri game in the in that preseason mm-hmm. tournament down in Orlando. That was a good team. And, but, but you know what, though? Those games – exactly. All those teams that won those games were elite Sweet 16, Final Four type teams. And this team is a t- is that type of team. And it's – those types of wins allow and instill that confidence. I mean, we're never done. And yep. I think this team really needs that, and they've I think they have it now. And that's a huge, huge thing for us moving forward. And I think we're going to keep bringing, bringing out the press more and more and creating some chaos uh, and havoc on people, man, because we, I think we know we have to. And Hugs, Hugs knows how to um, kind of get hit, get the best out of his team. And like we said, it's early in this process with these guys. I mean, we're going to have a couple games here down the stretch uh, coming up that we're not going to look the best. But by the time we really get to March – I guess this year you say February because that's when the season ends. We're going to be playing good basketball toward the end of February. I have no doubt about that. I completely agree. This team should only continue to get better because they're going to kind of have to reinvent themselves, and we're not going to be quite as easy to prepare for, at least here in the next couple weeks, because teams aren't really going to know exactly how to go about us. Before, they knew, you know, two bigs, Mm got to crash the glass. You know, we're going to throw some different – lineup combinations at these teams moving forward and you were talking about how well the ball moved and how it kind of looked like the way we've let teams move the ball on us in the past it's amazing how much more fluid the offense can look when you have four perimeter people on the floor at the same time because when you only, when you have two bigs out there it is an advantage to a certain degree but up everything it does muck things up in the middle it doesn't allow for as much space on the floor to get to the basket to make the guards have an ability and space to create. And obviously when you have four perimeter guys on the floor, you're going to have an inherently better shooting team. And that's what we've seen particularly in the second half, the past two games. And, you know, this win, it shows that, like you said, you're never out of it, but it shows that they weren't willing to quit. And I think that's emblematic of a Huggins, you know, persona, what a team headed spearheaded by Bob Huggins is all about never giving up, never being out of a game and just battling your ass off no matter what down to the final, to the final horn. And this is a team that can rally around this win and let it propel them moving forward. Hopefully that's the case. And this will probably be the biggest week of practice they have maybe the rest of the season, because they're going to have to use it to learn a lot and how to come together in a short amount of time. But, it's going to be the most they've gotten to practice together 
since Oscar left, and they're going to have to learn a lot of things, learn how to do different things, assume different roles than they were doing when Oscar was here. But we're facing maybe the hardest two-game stretch we'll see at least the rest of the regular season, and it's going to be a big stretch. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's no question it's going to be a huge, huge stretch coming up. But I'm going to say this, Zach, about about that stretch, right? If you can, if you get and find a way to to split in these two games that are coming up, and they're crucial big games, right? I mean, number four and number number two in the country. But you find a way to split in those two, and then you've got a bunch of games at home. Um, after this Baylor game, you only have one. You only have one road game the rest of January, um, a trip to Kansas state who, I mean, Hey, the Fort state, Hayes, Fort Hayes state Tigers, uh, <laughs> going there and winning, winning the octagon of doom these days. So, I mean, I'm, I have, and, and we owe them from last year's, uh, last year getting beat by them, uh, when everything looked all right in the world. Um, so, I mean, man, I'm excited about these, about this next little bit of time here, because I think we do have an opportunity to really, really improve, and pick up good wins versus quality Big 12 opponents, but yet games where we're not going to be overmatched in talent, maybe minus this Baylor game on Tuesday night. But I don't – I mean, we're never going to be overmatched in talent. Just Baylor's a tough, tough out, I think, at this point for us, especially when we go down there. Oh, without a doubt. And I take a peek at the schedule <laughs> just because I wanted to make sure we didn't have another two-game stretch as difficult as this one the rest of the year. I kind of just said that off the cuff. Of course, we play right. we play Texas and Baylor again in February back-to-back. <laughs> oh, well, okay. I mean, damn, really? That's a, yep. that's unfortunate. But, man, but you know what, though, Zach? I mean, do, do you not do you not kind of not agree, though, that oh, if, you sure. find, if you find a way to split these next two, TCU, I mean, I saw them against Kansas the other night. I mean, Yikes. Uh, and I think we're better than them. I mean, and we owe them for games last year, right? And I just think we're – now, granted, they're going to give us matchup problems now for sure. Um, TCU does. But I think that's a game that we can easily get. Oklahoma State can be in a, a tough game when we play them in the Coliseum. But obviously, you don't get down 19. Maybe you do a little more what you did in the second half against them. You know, um, Texas Tech, obviously a tough game, but in the Coliseum. And then Florida, who – has looked good at times, but has looked real bad at times as well. I mean, Alabama kind of took them um, and put the kibosh on them there the other night. So, I, I mean, I really like where where this is going here heading into heading into February, um, and I think that's all spearheaded by what we saw against Oklahoma State there Monday night. Completely agree. This is going to have to be a launching pad for them, and you know, I'd be I'd be fine with us splitting, you know, so so much so that. It it's you know we talked about this before. Is Oklahoma State a must-win game? And I told you at the time I didn't think so necessarily. But when we got down 19, I was like, oh hell, this might have been a must-win game because this is not giving me a good feeling inside. Especially losing back to back after losing Oscar, it just doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. You think, oh, maybe we're not going to be able to succeed as much as we thought we could without Oscar. But you win that game, gives you a little more breathing room. And if you split against two of the best teams in the country, it's not going to hurt you that bad. Those are quality losses. But if we can at least stay in the game that we lose and not get trounced, which I don't think we will, that'll be even better. Pull out two, that'd be awesome. But we'll yeah, we'll mean, see if we can split at the very least. I, you know, and even if – I mean, let's go doomsday here and say you lose them both, right? Um, I think the, the rest of January gives you opportunities to get back up into where you need to be, right? 
And it's not like we're going to – but that probably leaves you more on the 4-5 or five line if you get swept here. I think mm-hmm. if you win one of these two games, though, uh, could get real interesting on where you might be able to still land um, in terms of this pecking order. Because I don't know. I just have a weird feeling that, that this team is really, really going to gel and, and get a lot better here um, in the next month, month and a half. I really, really do. I do too. And one thing that some people might not think about is inside the program, you think those guys might not have had a bit of an inclination about Oscar, at least to some degree. Maybe he got a little different treatment. Maybe he wasn't completely invested. And it was a little bit of a dark cloud that hung over the head of this team. Now that that's gone, imagine how much more loose they're going to be because Huggins has talked and talked about how much this team likes each other, how close they are. And if that had any effect on them at all negatively, that's gone now. They they should only have positive vibes in that locker room, and that's only going to help them. They're yeah. worried about them. They're not worried about Oscar's issues anymore. They're solely focused on the next game and trying to make a run at the end of the year, especially after last year when they – they felt like they had a good team that could compete in the tournament, didn't get the opportunity, but they're going to get that chance again this year so long as everything works out and COVID hey, doesn't put the hey, kibosh on it. Well, let's, let's put it this way, man. I think the, the call to everything being in Indianapolis or mm-hmm. Indiana for the only thing is definitely going to help get that thing through. Get I'm a little gonna, bubble ball again. Oh, yeah. I think I think the tournament's going to happen. We're going to see more madness this year. Um, I don't have any doubt in my mind about it. I just – it's – they're not NCAA is not going to let it happen. They lose too much money. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, m- might it be later than March? I guess there's a possibility it could be an April Madness, but I don't think there's a chance this year that we're not going to have, uh, you know, the dance, man. I think we're going to be able to crunch those brackets this year. Um, Zach, I'm, I'm looking at Texas though, man. And let's kind of let's turn the page of them real quickly here. Um, you know, I'm very intrigued by that team, but I'll tell you what, I watched them play early and I wasn't necessarily impressed by them. But then the way they shot against Kansas, it was like, whoa. Um, I mean, Coleman's a good guard, right? Ramey's a pretty good guard. I mean, those two guys, you know, Ramey shooting the three almost 40, 45%. He can score in bunches. Coleman's a playmaker, right? Andrew Jones, a great story coming back from, you know, leukemia, kind of a physical guard. Um, Not a great shooter, though. I mean, Greg Brown's the big hype, you know, McDonald's type guy they have on the team this year, but he, he doesn't stay on the floor that often. He has flashes where he's really impressive. Uh, you know, Kai Jones and Jericho Sims are both long and athletic. Um, but, you know, I look at them, man, and I say they're not extreme. They're not that much better than they were last year at the end of the season. And they beat us last year at the end of the season, but I didn't think Texas was – I think they're number four in the country good. And I'm real excited and kind of amped up that we get this – great opportunity to play them in the Coliseum with a full week to kind of get ourselves ready for them. I kind of like that for us, man. I'm not going to lie. If we get, you're right. It's, it's a game where you feel like, you know, you've got some positive momentum coming out of that Oklahoma state game. Obviously Texas is riding high, you know, coming off that Kansas win earlier last week. And, it's, you know, they, they struggled against Iowa State a little bit. Now, granted, they did. the same type of game we had against Iowa State, right? Um, you know, Iowa State's a much better team than their record indicates they are for sure, uh, without doubt, with Bolton leading that squad. But, man, I'll tell you this, too, Zach. I like the fact it's a one-clocker. I just think there's some things the about it. In the Coliseum, now, granted, no fans. We know that's not going to happen again until the twenty, at least the 25th of January. 
Um, they announced that today. Yep. I mean, that's the type of game. If the fans are there, I really like our chances. Without, I still like him because I think that we're going to have a an energy about us, man. Let's be real about this real quick with Texas. When they play us, they don't have that motivation factor. I don't believe that they did when they played Kansas. I don't think they'll have that motivation factor they had when they beat North Carolina, when they played Villanova. We're West Virginia. They've beat us before, right? They've got to travel all the way to Morgantown. It's cold when they get off the bus. It's not Austin. I just, I've got a feeling that we're going to be really, we, we got them in a good spot here. And they got Texas Tech coming up on Wednesday, a game, you know, in state that maybe, you know, maybe their, their peers are a little more into than West Virginia. I think it's a good opportunity for us. I think so too. And it'll be a massive win if we can pull it off. And hopefully it'll give us even more momentum going to Baylor a couple days later. Do you think we up well, though, with them? I, the only place I see that could give us problems, and like you said, Greg Brown doesn't play an immense amount of minutes, but he's unquestionably an excellent talent. Yeah. I don't know. I, obviously, it's going to be a combination yeah. of Matthews and Bridges on him because yeah. Sims will be guarded by Culver. But I don't know how well either of them will be able to hang with Brown, but – He's also not the most consistent guy. True. And, man, do you, do you think, and maybe this is just kind of – maybe just kind of my um, my my kind of thought, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I, I just I just am a little bit worried now moving forward. And I think this is how we can maybe just close up shop here on basketball here a little bit. Maybe we'll talk to Texas. But the ceiling of this team now, it, we're going to see it really kind of moving forward these next couple of games because – these Texas is going to be able to run so many waves of big men at Culver. How's that going to affect him? Right. I mean, Matthews and, and Jalen, while they're good, long forwards, they're not necessarily guys that you are considering guarding guys down low. I think that Gabe is interior defense is as crucial as anything now to this basketball team moving forward. Um, man, it just, that, that worries me a little bit for this game against Texas because they can run Brown, Adams, Sims, Jones. That concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I I agree with that, and the will be able to stay out of foul trouble. He had terrible luck with that against Oklahoma, but granted, those circumstances were a little different. They were mm-hmm. imp- implementing a certain strategy that I think is total bullshit. But hey, he let it get to <laughs> it his goes, head. It goes down took there him out of the game. It's the whack of it's the whack of Culver mentally, man. Um, yeah. You know, that's something he's got to overcome. He's, he's got to be more to. strong and more I, resilient mentally. I think he's. I think he's. Man, I just feel like the opportunity that arose for him against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State after the Oklahoma kind of kind of fail. He is responded. Just, is responded, man, and he responded in a big way. And I really, really like that from him. Um, man, kind of the end of this. The end of this kind of discussion here, Zach, is now. Did you see this thing? You know. I feel like Texas, if they don't shoot the ball as well as they did against Kansas, um, they're probably not walking out of that thing the way they did. I think they've got maybe a little bit of an inflated ego, and I really like that against them. Um, and, man, we keep seeing Baylor looking really, really good. So that's going to be a tough, tough deal altogether. And if you lose to Baylor, I don't necessarily take anything away from that. I want to play Baylor well. They're, Baylor's going to be hella motivated to come out there and put a – Put a put a buddy, you know, put one right up in our ass. Uh, put a muddy boot up in there because of the way we beat them last year in the season. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that those guys have been stewing and kind of circled this game at home against WVU 
since that calendar, since that schedule got released. So let's let's get Texas and then try and figure out a way to to survive Baylor and get into the rest of January here, where we can grow, continue to get better as a team. And last question here, man. Do you think that this basketball team still has Final Four potential? Or do you think, man, because I kind of think the ceiling at this point is, man, hope to get a good draw that second weekend. Maybe you get hot shooting. Maybe you can make it to the Final Four. I don't think this is a national championship team anymore, though. I hate to say it. I would tend to agree. I don't know if they necessarily have the depth they need anymore, but they're still, you know, they're going to run eight guys, nine, if you throw McCabe in there, which we didn't really talk about that as far as Keaty's impact in that regard because, you know, well, he's, if he can continue to put good games together like he did against not Oklahoma see State. Minutes. I think that's why we didn't talk about him. Well, I mean, I mean from Keaty's perspective, that's going to oh. cut into McCabe's minutes if he can That's what I'm saying. That's why we didn't talk about run it because McCabe's not going to be out there. Right, but Keating will be, and that's that's the point that I'm trying to make here mm-hmm. is that he should cut into those minutes that McCabe was getting. And you know, this is a disclaimer I talk about every time I bring him up. I love McCabe. I think nothing but the world of the kid. But when he's out there, there is absolutely a drop off. If Keating can spell McBride and play with the same kind of intensity he did against Oklahoma State and provide those solid, you know, beneficial minutes, to be honest with you, moving forward, and also play alongside Mc, McBride put McBride off ball, let him play a more natural two position, that's going to be huge for this team. And that's going to be an X factor for us moving forward. Whether or not we can overcome the loss of Oscar and be a kind of a different type of style ball club than we had been with both Oscar and Derek out there is going to determine what kind of team this can be. And I think after two games of seeing it, it's a little too early to tell. They're going to continue to grow like we've talked about the rest of the season, and hopefully they can still live up to that Final Four potential that they came into the season with. But it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a totally different animal. They're going to have to change a lot of things, a lot of aspects of their style. And Huggins is still their coach. I still think they're going to have that ability to be competitive at the highest level. And grind. And and grind. And we're going to grind. And you know what, though? We already saw – you saw the benefits of Deuce being off the ball at the two in the way he was able to make those shots against Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Um, That's – we're already starting to see some effects of that. And that's – that's that's a that's great to see because if we get it, he is the kind of guy who can win games in March for you. There's no question about that. Um, and and one other aspect you think about too, they may adopt a bit of a us against the world mentality now because you know they're not going to quite they're going to have some questions about him now that Sheway's gone. They're like, oh, are they are they still the team that? we expect them to be coming into the season and when is West Virginia typically at its best when their backs are against the wall and people aren't talking them up. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. Bunch of junkyard dogs. I mean, uh-huh. and that's what we got a lot of now. And I think that's, it's going to prove beneficial to us uh, moving forward, Zach. I, I will tell you that I, I have no question that, that this basketball team is uh, we have the basketball team is uh, we have this comeback for Oklahoma State was not the end. It was only the beginning of what this team is going to be about the rest of uh, 2021. Um, but, man, let's talk about Junkyard Dogs. Uh, how about the Stills? How about old Darius Stills there uh, to end 2020 in the Liberty Bowl, man? And how yeah, yeah. he kind of, kind of uh, sort of spearheaded that defense that was able to, to overcome, um, you know, some tough circumstances – 
and preparing for Army and get that dub, man. I mean, how how awesome was was that Liberty Bowl win, man? I mean, where does it rank for you, man? Just so many questions on that because and so many things we could get into with this Liberty Bowl kind of. Uh, it's, it's been a you know and a lot of time to kind of look back on it now. Hell, Austin Kendall, the guy who led us to the winds, already said, uh, "Great time being a Mountaineer, but I'm out, y'all." Deuces, um, <laughs> deuces, and understandably so. I mean, wants to play one year, and I don't blame him at all. And best, best, truly, best of luck wishes there to Austin Kendall for sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, man, what, how, how amazing, and just kind of break it down from your perspective, man, um, on how you felt about that win versus Army. And how it kind of closed the season out. Well, I'll say one thing. And nowadays, upper echelon college players, by and large, are deciding not to play in bowl games unless they have playoff implications. And, you know, to a certain extent, I get that. They're trying to preserve their career in the NFL. They're trying to make sure they don't have a freak accident, freak injury that just loses them hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. Get entirely. Darius Stills did not do that. He will be drafted in the NFL. He would have been drafted in the NFL whether he played in that bowl game or not. But I don't think he did anything but help his draft stock oh, 100%. in that game. He could have gotten injured. He could have – he had risk in being out there. Man, he left his mark on that game from start to finish, and I I just love him for being out there. You know, eventually we probably wouldn't have thought about the fact that he didn't play in that bowl game if he decided not to, and – I'll tell you what, we're definitely going to remember the fact that he did because he yeah. was just, huge. His reaction on the on the field afterwards. Um, oh, it was it was awesome. Well, it was amazing. You, you can know, tell it meant a lot to him. Oh yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? And it did. I mean, he last game with his brother body. too. Yep. Once a Mountaineer, always a Mountaineer. I mean, played as an All American. Something his dad, as great as he was, didn't even do. Yep. I mean, it's it's just it's it was special to see the care that they had, and man. You go back and you look at this. You look at this football game. Um, just a, a wild, but you know, a wild game. But getting on steals and how he made money. I mean, they shut down the Army interior run. I mean, and early on, I mean, it was it was pretty much an apparent thing that hey guys, um, Army, you're not going to be able to run the football inside on, on us. Um, good luck there. And Army realized it, and they started running interior runs uh, pretty much almost exclusively there. Except for that little that one the great drive they had in the third quarter where they kind of it was almost like they called like an inverted option where the quarterback would kind of delay and that kind of had us on our heels a little bit. Um, but man, what a what a job by the defense in general, Zach. I mean, it was incredible. We talked about it all year. Defense was kind of our our calling card, and then um, it proved to be so uh, in our final game and in a great big bowl win for us. You know, great great oh, yeah. for the climb, man. Great for the climb. Definitely. It's a, it's a linchpin in what this climb is going to be. If it's going to be anything, it's got to start with this bowl win. And I think that this season in general embodies the kind of, you know, what the climb has been talked about and, you know, what it's shown to be. They made improvements, market improvements that you could see out there week in and week out from the season before. And it was in a season that didn't really have a preseason, didn't have a lot of, work that the guys are typically used to having and also it didn't feature two regular season games like we've talked about mm-hmm. at a conference that probably would have been wins eight win team at the end of this year with the bowl i mean that's a hell of a jump from the five and uh five and seven the first yeah. year yeah. 
I mean, that's that's something that nobody would complain about. And I don't think anybody has any room to complain about this this season either. Six wins isn't no, six wins know. in a typical season. But six I love with a nice bowl win, man. Yeah, I mean, that's that's against a, a good team. Yeah, against against a very tough team to prepare for, against mm-hmm. a very mentally strong team. And let's be honest about this real quick. A team that had you down twenty one to ten. Granted, yep. I mean let's and let's 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 hop into this part of the kind of the deal. Um, you know, Gail Austin Kendall the dude, but man, Jared Deggy. Um, I'll be honest, Zach, loved what I saw early in the game, and then all of a sudden, I, I, and I'll give this, I'll give this, you know, proper credit here. I mean, um, took took a big hit, and Creed even mentioned this, you know, saying something just wasn't quite right. And if you think about it, man, on that drop back on that screen, when he it was almost like he was trying to pull an Aaron Rodgers and have like Letty Brown like just go on the other side of him, and he was just going to flip it underhand to him or something, but. When he fumbled that ball, it was just like something's not right with this guy. Um, and even the even the pick before that, when he almost got picked there, uh, once we took the lead, something wasn't right there. But the fact that you kind of gave them points, I remember sitting there with the people I'm watching it with, you know, New Year's Eve, and just saying, "Well, shit, they we just gave them the football game because 14-10, and you almost knew Army was going to come out of the second half and have a good drive. You just mm-hmm. kind of knew it, right?" Um, and then, I mean, you told me, you said, Kendall's coming in the game. Kendall's coming in the game. And I'm like, nah, no way. And I saw Deggy in the huddle, right? So he was still engaged with the team, which I like to see. And then you see Kendall out there on the field. And it was like, whoa. Um, was a shocker to me. I mean, shocker. But then again, maybe it was just like Brown knew, man, Deggy does not have this right now. He is not seeing it. We've got to try something else. And you want to talk about having a set of balls on you, that takes a lot of cojones for Neil Brown to make that move because it's your first bowl game as a Mountaineer mm-hmm. head coach. You know, it may not seem like there's a lot on the line to the outside observer, but, you know, this is a – like we talked about, this is a climb. You're trying to see some progression, and getting a bowl win is a big pro- progression. But at the same time, you've also got to be thinking about the future of the program and the way Daggy was playing, eh, not really sure – and then you think, okay, do we want to go a different direction here in the second half? Maybe, you know, obviously trying to win the game, but at the same time seeing what you have down the road. And I, like we talked about when we were texting, it seemed like a spot maybe he entertains the thought of putting Garrett Green in there and totally did the opposite of what I thought. Brought Austin Kendall in, hadn't seen a snap since the first game of the season. And you know, if that goes wrong, if we don't win that game, if Kendall goes out and plays like complete shit, then you're like, okay, so what now? Where where do we go from here? But thankfully he came out, played superb, did just what we needed to do to get the win, score some points. Defense took care of the rest. Army didn't score again after that first touchdown in the third quarter and got the dub. Now you still have question marks like you talked about with Deggy moving forward, but hopefully – that was a one-game anomaly because he did. That sack fumble was absolutely atrocious, not only for him to not get rid of the ball sooner just to throw it out of bounds, but to hold the ball out just you know, just easy for the defense to just strip it from him. But then after they got the ball back at the end of the second half, he took another horrible sack. And you're like, what is this guy doing? And it just was not a good look for him. So, Zach, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, Deggy, it looks like he ran back 20 yards on that play. He just didn't look into it. And I think there was something along those lines that something maybe not have been right with physically with him or something. Like, kind of got hit 
Bell wrong a little bit potentially. Um, and that's why you go to Kendall. Um, and you know what? They said Kendall had practiced well for a long time. And, um, man, I mean, the couple throws he made to win us the game were just huge. In, in, in retrospect, I mean, they were nice balls and crucial, crucial to success. I mean, and I like the fact, though, after we got down 21 to 10, that next drive from, from you know, from Kendall was just pretty efficient. And, I mean, moved the ball down the field, had the big pass to Simmons for 31, big chunk play there, big chunk play to Wheaton for 27. I mean, and we ran the ball okay in that drive. It wasn't like we ran it great, but Letty popped off a couple, you know, nice runs for six. And, he, man, he, he just seemed to, um, you know, make the big play when he needed to. And then, obviously, you go for it on fourth down that play down there at the goal on fourth and two from the three, and it was a great little pass there um, to Michael Laughlin, kind of sneaking out there into the boundary. And you're down five at that point. And, um, man, it, it, it took a little bit longer till we got the lead back, and then he kind of had to sweat it out a little bit. But, I mean, Army at that point in time, Zach, I don't believe had to drive over – I think the rest of their drives were six plays. Um, they'd get one first down, but then they'd have to punt, which is just a testament to how good that defense was. Yeah, and that was huge because the defense – Busted their ass that whole game. They were tenacious. The last touchdown of the second or the first half that Army got after that fumble, you know, that was just putting them in a horrible spot. I wouldn't even attribute that touchdown to them because, you know, what were they going to do? It's not much they yeah. could do at that yeah. point because Army's going to get yards. Seven yard line. Exactly. Seven yard line. Yeah. That's not much for Army to have to work to get. But, you know, the offense was what was, you know, handicapping us at that point in the game. And, you know, for Neil to have the cojones to put Kendall in there, I mean, that's that's massive because Daggy, not only did he take that sack where he should have gotten rid of the ball way sooner, thrown out of bounds, just gotten rid of the thing, not only that, but he held it out there for the taking, strip sack, some fumble, can't have that. And then nope. not only that, but he comes out the next possession to try to close out the first half and try and get some points, takes another just ridiculous sack, rolls out to the left, Holds the ball for entirely too long. Could have just thrown it out of bounds. Lived to fight another day. Stop the clock. I'm just like, man, what are you doing? Almost threw a pick. Something was up. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah. Something was. I mean, totally wrong with him. It, and you know what? Though what's crazy about it, if you think about it, the second half, Kendall hit those guys when they were open. Mm-hmm. He saw it better. I mean, if you think about the driver, we end up winning the game, right? I mean, he has a third down and eight, and he, he's able to recognize it and get a pass interference call to Bryce Ford Wheaton. You have a third and 14 at about midfield, and you get a big 14-yard pass to Sam James. Um, you know, the emergency Sam James. And then the, the touch pass throw to Simmons for about 20 yards, I mean, was a great throw. Um, I mean, you give Kendall all the credit in the world for those throws. And then the two-point play was pretty nifty, too, with Reese Smith. Love seeing that. Wow. Kind of another – maybe a wrinkle of the old Neil Brown offense there. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I hated how long and kind of how excruciating difficult it was to get it home uh, with them missing the field goal at the end, which I thought was wild. But, um, man, in the end, it was good good to see when we got the final interception of the ball game there, uh, you know, and just kind of was able to finally knee it out there. Uh, but, man, great, great play by Josh Chandler-Semito on that pick. Granted, you knew Army once they got the ball back um, – and had to throw it, you felt good about it, but you were still a little bit of nervousness, I'm sure, uh, especially on your end as well. But then at that point, man, I lit up that bowl win stogie and uh, was pretty pumped to uh, be six and four and 
and ready for next year because I think when you really get down to it, I think this year we were maybe a little bit ahead of our of where we thought we maybe would have been. You know, as good as the defense was, I think the offense at times still sputtered. But, man, we, we showed vast improvement, like we said. Oh, vast improvement in multiple areas. The running game, you go from run what? Two, two and a half yards of carry. Neil's first season this year, you have a thousand yard rusher and Letty. When you combined rushing yards that first season, that's a huge improvement there. The defense goes without saying it was excellent and should be pretty damn good next year as well. And there was a question mark there with Koenig losing his job. You didn't know exactly how they respond. Well, I'd say they responded pretty damn well. They were one of the best defensive yeah. teams statistically in the country. So yeah. there, there's no 100%. question about it. They made and, and major got, improvements. You've got a good bit of that back. You've got a good bit of that mm-hmm. back. Um, and, and building blocks to build upon and, and a good offensive line talent coming back. You know, now I think you know, some people say, man, do you need to improve at quarterback? I don't necessarily think so. But with the trade, with the trade market, with the transfer market the way it is, it might as well be the trade market. Yeah. You never, you never know. Um, and man, I think we could, you know, who knows? I mean, wide receiver position. I like, I like where some of our guys were, but I think we need, we definitely need guys to step up, but we have good recruits coming in too. I think that's a position that will be just fine. Um, obviously defensively, you know, losing Darius will be huge in Tony Fields, but I like where we're on the defensive side of the football. And I think you're only recruiting still more talent and players. And you've seen the talent that Neil Brown's injected into the program and how well that's played out for us so far. It's helped us win, you know, 11 of those – that's helped us get to that 11 and 11 that he's been at. A lot of those 11 wins have been because of players he brought in himself in the two years, not guys that Dana helped him with. No, because we've talked about the fact that Dana left the cupboard empty. Oh, Neil, more than empty. Neil has brought there, in – There were no cobwebs <laughs> even in that battle. No, nothing to snack on. But Neil has brought in two of the best recruiting classes – in West Virginia's history in his first two well, years. Maybe Darius Stills. Well, maybe give him Darius Stills. Well, yeah. Reluctantly, we'll give him that because, honestly, he didn't really even want Darius. <laughs> Dante kind of uh, decided upon it for him. Right. So, you know. And to his credit, he did get Dante. We bashed him about not recruiting in-state. At least he was able to land Dante. That was huge, and it obviously resulted in getting Darius as well. But Neil is unquestionably an excellent recruiter, and it's showing. And the guys that he's brought in will only continue to progress and – get better in these coming years. And as far as, as far as that goes, a guy that he didn't bring in, but a guy that he's had since his, you know, early year, his freshman year, Tyke Smith, him, him not playing in that bowl game was huge. And, you know, we talked about how important he would be going into the bowl game before we knew he wasn't going to be playing. And even still the defense played fantastically, but he's going to be a guy who's going to lead that defense next year. Yeah. Scotty Young. Scotty Young came in his first game as a Mountaineer. He was great. Absolutely. He filled in in a perfect spot. Let's hope there's nothing um, that's really badly damaged with Tyke Smith. I know they said they had an Mm -hmm. accident. I'm just a little nervous about the tweeting on the sidelines. Um, Hopefully he's still engaged. Oh, yeah. Hopefully this is not a situation where, you know, we have to worry about Tyke um, because man, we could he could be a guy who could literally spearhead that defense in a league that likes to throw the football a little bit. Um, if we have him back there controlling things, Kerry Martin potentially coming back next year. Um, I mean, you know, you had you had him, Scotty Young. I mean, Nick Quick Fortune. I mean, that secondary that we have is going to be mean mm-hmm. next year and pretty damn good. Um, 
Yeah, they did with some linebacker play that's pretty good. And Josh Taylor, some heat, you know, extra low. Some young guys. I mean, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Mesidor's still going to be Cowan hopefully can stay healthy. Cooler, Austin, Van Darius, exactly. I mean, lot, lots to look forward to defensively in the future of this Mountaineer program. And, man, I mean, Zach, just, just to kind of kind of close this up with Army, right, and, and kind of put a bow on it, man, the fact that a, a team that runs the football the way Army runs the football, right, Ran it, only ran it for 182 yards. One of their lowest outputs of the season. On 59 fucking mm-hmm. carries, they only got a 182 yard, 3.1 per rush. Incredible job by Hell of an effort. Incredible. Incredible. I agree. I mean, and that's what it took. Yeah, I mean, that's what you had to do. You had to have that. Yeah. W- without that, you don't win. But, I mean, wow. Insane. And man, I've dropped the F bomb twice. You said Oscar twice. Oh shit! Um, and I think we've had a kibosh twice on the tally count. So I mean, we're we're, we're moving, we're moving, man. <laughs> but I, I tell you what, man, the Liberty Bowl, it was it was big, man. And hopefully, you know, only good things coming. I'm excited for the recruiting class we brought in. Going to be real exciting. But I'll tell you this, Zach. Um, <clears throat> what's going to be easier to recruit down in Spring Valley area now that Doc's mm. gone? Or Florida now that Doc's gone for Marshall because I kind of want to I kind of want to touch on that real quick, man. Um, as as happy as we're about the Mountaineer win, let's get into that deal down there in Huntington, man. Well, can I now, stop you real quick? I want to hear your I want to hear your perspective on this because I don't feel you're as invested in the Marshall program as I am. Maybe I'm wrong, but give me it from your take as a little bit more of an outsider to it than me on what you think about this whole deal. Real quick, if you don't mind, before we move along to that, I have one thing. So you talked about the off season and whether or not they pursue a quarterback in the transfer market. So the way the coaching staff has recruited this class, they've left some openings considering they have guys that aren't going to use their extra year of eligibility that could have, that's going to free up some scholarships and that'll give them the chance to try and recruit some more high school kids, but also leave them some spots for some hopefully big time transfers. And that's something that's going to be entertained throughout the offseason. It's going to be one of the biggest stories for Mountaineer football in the offseason is whether or not they decide to bring in a quarterback because, you know, Kendall coming into that game, that was obviously a, a huge decision because it, one, kind of at least maybe gives you a little insight into the kind of confidence that Brown has in Daigie or at least had in that moment. But I think had in that moment. That's more a possibility. Than because I think – I mean, if you think about it, before that game, I think he was excellent. He was solid. Team, man. He was I solid. Really, he wasn't I – mean, he wasn't um, – the Iowa State game notwithstanding. I mean, the dude – I mean, what, 14 touchdowns, four interceptions? I like that ratio. Um, and the reason he was so pissed off against him against Army is because he made a turnover like Austin – or like uh, Jack Allison did against Missouri. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't make those type of turnovers with Neil Brown – because we like to limit the possessions of the game and we're a defensive style program. So when you have a boneheaded, boneheaded turnover, you get known. It, it gets, it, you, you know, he lets you know about it. And that meant sitting on the bench. And I think in that game, like we said, someone totally right with Dayton. And Brown made the move. I think he still has full confidence in him moving forward, though, bud. I really do. Now, granted, it's still a battle between him, Green, you know, between Green and Dayton and whoever else might come into the fold. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Jared Daigie is not going to start at quarterback in September this year. 
I don't think that's necessarily. I true think that all. could be the case. Obviously, it'll be a, a big story regardless because you know, you know, that's a lot of how the reporting goes. Just a lot of speculation. But mm-hmm. what what may be an indication of Brown's possible confidence in him is that he didn't decide to go with Green, which that that might also have to do with the fact that he just really wanted to win that bowl game, and who could blame him? But yep. that may have been part of it too. He didn't think the Green was quite quite ready. This was a one day thing. Daggy just didn't have it. Pulled him, made the swap for Kendall. Huge move, got him the win. But it'll it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do with those extra scholarships that they have to give away because there, like you said, there's some quarterbacks out there on the transfer market that we could entertain. And if obviously if we don't bring any in, that's going to show the confidence that Brown does have in Deggy to take the reins, you know, next year and hell even the year after that, considering the eligibility that he still has. And see, I think that's part of it, man. I think he's still – I think they – I think there's building blocks with him, right? And and I don't think they're going to just kind of let those yeah. dissolve. Um, and Brown's a big, really don't, big but, D guy. He's he's tight with the family too. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he was kind of tight with the Kendalls as well. It's just a matter of – man, really, you build yeah. relationships, right? But the play on the field right. is what has to win. And so if they – you know, if Deggie's – if they struggles, I mean, there will be no problem going to Garrett Green or going to whoever they have to go to. It's just a matter of he doesn't want to have to do that if he doesn't have right. to do that. Um, there's no question. And, and about to Daggy's credit, too, um, working with a very, very young, inexperienced receiving core this year, you know, besides CJ Simmons, guys who had a lot of drop balls. passes that'll affect the stat sheet. Daggy was second in the conference in passing yards per game. That that doesn't mean nothing. That that is a big deal. What I want to see from him is growth and being a guy that isn't just not even a game manager, but a guy who can really win you ball games. You can go out there, throw big passes, have a more accurate deep ball. That's something he's going to have to work on this offseason. Get some more, you know, get some more chemistry with those wide receivers. Let them get more mature in their second and third year and really take a next step because this offense has to match the intensity and the effectiveness and production of the defense. If they want to take that next step on the climb, which is competing for a big 12 championship. And I think that that's, that's something he can do, but I still want to see it. I, I still want to see him make those improvements. I'm with you. I'm with you, Zach, on, on that, on terms of Deggie's in-game goal, obviously is to compete for, for a big 12 championship. And, and we've got to see him get to that level. And right now, maybe a little more game manager. And so that'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out, right, um, moving forward for this football team. But, man, I, I'm ex- I'll i be very excited to see. I think we'll maybe make some – maybe try to make a splash on the defense. Linebackers. Um, we've already made a big splash in the in – the Oh, yeah, Doug Nestor. Who knows, maybe another one. Yeah, I mean, the Nestor thing. Who knows, maybe another one's still on the way if Darnell Wright's unhappy. All West Virginia know. offensive line, um, how's it sound? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, the mountain movers, like, you know, it's it's it's, it's, it's a real possibility. Um, and so, I, you know, it just – but the volatility of college football, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, think about this. I mean, some dudes at Marshall right now might not be very happy with, the, with what happened with, mm-hmm. with Doc. I mean, it's just there's so many moving parts at all times. Boise State guys right now, they might not be happy after Hartson took the job at Auburn. I mean, there's just – you just never know who may not be happy where and maybe a guy that you can get. And uh, it just kind of – the beat mows on, right? I mean, and you have to be adaptable. And I think Neil's adaptable. And I think that's going to be very big to him. Um, so, Zach, 
you got a little time to ponder now my question. What do you think about what's going on in Huntington? I think I'm confused. I think that I think everybody I think you look at the right now at the success that Doc has brought to Marshall and you know, he had a year or two that weren't quite top end, but you know, in programs like that, you're not going to be consistent eight to ten win teams every year. And I think I think he was excellent. I think he did a great job there. I think that any Marshall fan you talk to, for the most part, you know, you have some people in any program that are going to be down on the coaches for one reason or another. But I think that anybody you talk to that follows that program had to be happy with what he did, and also upset at the fact that he was let go or not re-signed if you want to be diplomatic. But he, yeah. Who, That's diplomatic the biggest question right to me there, is, who sure. are they going to get now? Who's going to bring the same kind of success as he did to Marshall? Who's it going to be? What are they going to do? That's a good question. That's a real good question. Um, Zach, I, what you said, I think there's some, some validity to what you said. Um, the one thing that I look at with Doc, right, man, there are people that said, you know, program is getting stagnant but here's the thing too Marshall was now on a level they weren't at in the Pruitt years right Pruitt elevated the program they were in the MAC they were using Florida speed playing Big Ten light teams from Ohio and they dominated and then they move up in Carpenter USA they're playing more teams from Florida the game continuing to get more you know regionalized and, and TV where FIU and FAU come in it just gets a little bit harder right but Doc was able to get in there and get really, really good players from Marshall. From Florida. Um, That's one of his pipelines. Going, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The, the reality of it is, I mean, the guy went 85 and 54 in 11 years at Marshall. Pretty University. damn good. It's not bad. You know, he went 6-2 and two in bowl games. He went 1-2 and two in, conference, in championship games in the conference. And this year, man, is just a whole different deal because obviously – there's some political things going on, um, not only just within the – but we're talking politics in terms of inside the athletic department, inside, inside the, the state. school, right? When you're voted out by Board of Governors and it's and it's a governor of the state, quote-unquote, instead of your athletic director, that's just a very odd situation to begin with. Um, and just different things that you hear. I mean, the rumor mill down there is crazy right now. I think they have a little inflated ego of themselves as to mm-hmm. what they think that job is. And I love Marshall. Don't get me wrong. You got to be real with yourself. But I don't know who you're getting that's better than Doc Holliday. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just – I mean, you've heard people talk about Byron Left, which that's not happening. The guy is in line to be a head coach in the pros. You've heard people have mentioned, you know, Chad Pennington. The guy's – I mean, love Chad Pennington. He's a legend. Do you want, do you want to come back in that spot? Your son's going to be supposedly playing quarterback here in a couple of years. Do you really want that to be your first job? I don't think so. And and he hasn't he hasn't led a college program. I'm sure he could do it, but is that who you want leading the team? You know, I mean, it's it's not only that, but you, um, we talk about you know being honest with yourself as to who you are as a program. You're not going to be able to go out there and get you know hand select the coach you want. It's just like the kind of school that is. You know, I love Marshall too. They're my no, they're no. in my state. They're not WVU, which I love WVU more than any other school, and I always will. But I love Marshall, too, just in a different way. But at the same time, they were a ranked team this year. They they have a good thing going. So do you really want Pennington, who's never had a head coaching job in Division One football? I mean, I don't think that's necessarily what you're looking for, right? 
Yeah. I don't I mean, me wrong, love Chad. I think he'd be a great type yeah. of coach and waiting, get him in there, maybe learn how to call an offense. Maybe have Brad Lambert, who's the defensive coordinator who was up for the Broyles Award this year as your defensive coordinator, who's coached at Charlotte. Built Charlotte from literally not having a program. And they said, hey, you're going to play in Division One, And did a pretty good job by the end of his tenure. They went to a bowl the, the year after he leaves, right? Um, built building blocks there. Now in Huntington, you have a tradition and a program to build upon. I think Lambert would be an interesting choice for the position. Have Pennington then at that point be like an O.C., Head coach in waiting for a couple of years behind Lambert. Lambert's a great guy, though, too. I don't think that works. A name I heard, there's a couple couple other ones, you know. I think, and this one's real interesting. Sean Lewis from Kent State, real interesting name. Really like the way they run things there. A former Wisconsin guy. Would be an upgrade, I think, to move from Kent State to Marshall. Maybe could pay more money. Some other things. I mean, the way they ran the football this year, threw it around. Very intriguing brand of football, right? Different than one Doc played, and then another name which Zach, when I tell you this one, I'll let you, I'll let you take the floor. And I think there's a lot more legs to this than a lot of people believe. But Rich Rodriguez returning to the great state of West Virginia and coaching at Marshall oh, University. Can you t- take it from there? Well, they got to hope that he there. has more success as a head coach than he has since he left West Virginia, right? I mean, he he hasn't quite uh, lived up to what Michigan, especially, thought he was going to be, but. Hey, yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he, uh, he had some. He had a couple good yeah. years there, but I think that'd be a good. It had a pretty good offense last year with Ole Miss in the SEC. They, they didn't lose games last year. Oh, Ole Miss yeah. because their offense wasn't good. I just like the harsh rich rod a little bit when I get the chance. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. That'd be but a I mean, good I hire. This is a, I'll say this: I know this much about Rich Rodriguez. You're going to get a a motivated mm-hmm. guy knows the state. Him and Hamrick have a relationship back from Glenville State. Um, Rich Rod, he's a lightning rod. He's a splash. I, I mean, he's won. He's won everywhere he's been, other than Michigan. And even at Michigan, if you remember, started winning toward the end, then had one bad season again, and then they axed him real quickly. But I mean, those guys that that Brady Hoke took the BCS, those are Rich Rod's guys at Michigan. Guy can win. Guy, guy wanted a guy wanted Arizona made a made a BCS game, you know had a had a dynamic dude in Cleo Tate before he uh got a little reckless and loose. Is Marshall willing to forgive those transgressions? I think that's the big. I thing. think if you want to get a guy of that caliber, you may have to be willing to do that, right? I mean, it's it's not like every day somebody with his his you know as much as I do want to give hell to Rich Rod, he is an excellent coach. And he'd be a heck of a get for Marshall. So if they want to get a guy of his caliber, of his, like you said, that kind of splash higher, they may not have a choice but to deal with something like that because you're not going to get a guy that's going to be a splash higher unless they may have a little baggage with them, right? So I think that'd be a good step in the right right direction for them. Yeah. I mean, if if they were able to pull off that name, I think it's a really – really interesting hire and a guy that you know would be a lightning rod mm. i mean you it bring brings some for sure i mean because you've already kind of lost yeah you've already lost the <laughs> you've already lost the back page by kind of the ticker this this way by having doc you know uh-huh. USA coach of not the often year. you see a guy like that um, winning conference coach of the year out. without a little something underhanded going on something that might have forced his way out you know but as far as we know there was nothing like that yeah. conference coach of the year out 
Oh, yeah. Hell, no, something, something's happened. Not on let's, his behalf, though. Let's be quite honest. There's too many rumblings and too many rumble. Yeah. Too many rumblings and things of internal strife within that program for it not to. Yeah. Something has happened. Put it that way. Um, but, man, I mean, I'll be interested to see where they go. I really will. Um, I think it's uh, it's it's not the worst job in the world. It's a it's a good it's a great opportunity type of job. Um, and, you know, I mean, nobody knew who Chadwell was before before we did it coast i mean you got you give guys chances you never know what could potentially happen um and another name a guy who used to coach there mm-hmm. uh juan sider's a name that's been mentioned a little bit recruiting ties to west virginia doc uh that type of thing the florida pipeline gibby's name been Parker. mentioned um by some he does have a Glenville state connection <laughs> i see the drug marketing he used to coach at marshall i think that's why that name's been really thrown around I don't see the Gerard Parker thing as as easily as I see maybe Gibby, um, mm-hmm. just due to connections that he has with the athletic administration that's currently there in Huntington. And then another one, man, Mike Fury used to coach for Marshall, um, coach wide receivers, been an NFL guy, but not an NFL head coach. Great possibility of his name being surfaced there. Real interesting guy, worth kind of looking into, and uh, and. Maybe the type of guy you might want to give a chance to run a program to, potentially. Um, I don't know his recruiting ties, though. You'd have to have a good staff around you to know where to go, and I think that'd be key. Um, Zach, I mean, anything else you have on this before we kind of jump into uh, kind of the CFP and then hopefully the uh, the playoffs segments here? I mean, essentially we uh, kind of close this No, I, I am interested in Rich Rod. Now that you mention it, I'm having some more time to think about it. I would be intrigued for that higher from a Marshall perspective. I think that'd be fun. I think it brings some excitement. Like you said, it wouldn't be completely loved by everybody in the in the fan base, but it'd be a little polarizing, but I think it'd be an excellent hire for them. I, I kind of like it the more I think about it. Yeah, I mean, I really do too, right? Like, you give a guy a rehab opportunity, um, you know he's going to bring an explosive brand of offense. You know he's going to have a kind of a swagger about him and i think he would get good good players and yeah, he knows how to recruit and he he's still young enough like maybe marshall wouldn't be a long-term stay if you're able to have you know upper echelon levels of success for marshall standard maybe that catapults him back into the you know power five yep. discussion of head coaching jobs exactly exactly i mean you think about it like look at the guys that are getting jobs now well, i mean you freeze is out there by a lot of people mm-hmm. you know potential i mean if you had a, i mean let's think about rehabilitation processes that mm-hmm. happened before i mean look Greg Shiano. right i mean went through the saving went through the saving car wash he's got a job shiana Shiana. i mean granted some i don't you know rich rod what he did it, it's it's but man i mean there's no doubt that if he won in huntington for about five years four to three to four years something like that kind of like the lane train right did it yep. fau able to do that Oh yeah, a big boy would come calling, and I think he would probably take the opportunity. Uh, it, it would work for mutually him. beneficial. It, work, it could work for Marshall if they wanted to go down that road. Yeah, it really could be. Um, uh, I just I, I find that one to be just a man, just very interesting in our backyard to see that happen. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see who Marshall goes with as their head coach because they need to nail this hire because. You nailed it with Doc, right? Coming off the Pruitt area, you took Mark Snyder. 
And that was five years of the program that set the program back to where Doc had to get it back resuscitated. to where he, got, where he got it in the end, right? Um, yeah, he did have to resuscitate it from Snyder. So crucial that that doesn't happen again this time uh, when, you, when you, you, know, you make this hire. You don't get a Mark Snyder, you get a Doc Holliday, right? Uh, that's what they need. So, you know, it's very, very intriguing stuff in Huntington. Zach, um, CFP, man, the playoffs. Who do you have Monday, and what do you think of the two games in general? I thought that Alabama was going to smoke Notre Dame from the beginning, which they did. Not a big surprise there. Just as a, an aside from that, yep. very glad to see Devonta Smith get the Heisman. Not only for the fact that he just seems like a great kid, more than deserving, it's refreshing to see a non-quarterback win it. I, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love seeing Devonta win it. Um, you know, bef- I'll be honest with you. I kind of had this uh, – I was sort of in a really? Trevor Lawrence camp there a little bit, just saying, man, what he did. He came back. Look how look how valuable he is to Clemson, just because I wanted to win my bet from the beginning of the season that he won the Heisman Trophy. Um, other than that, I mean, I think Devonta was the right guy because he's as good as Alabama is and as good as Mac Jones and Nigel Harris is. Something about Devonta Smith made everything explosive, mm-hmm. explosive this year. And then you also remember Jalen Waddle, who might play in this national championship game, yeah, um, it's even bigger. That all season, right? For the most part, I mean, that's that's crucial. I mean, to to the point that a guy like that is no longer with your program, and Devonta Smith still steps up and has the year he has. I mean, I think that just goes to prove how essential and cr- cl- clutch, and how important um, and Heisman worthy that he was this season for sure. So I'm 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 100 cool with Devonta Smith winning. I mean, it's what the first non, uh, first non running back or quarterback to win it since it's been a long, long yeah. Long it time, had been correct 20 years since the last one, and like you said, since the wide receiver, since my apologies. The last non quarterback was Derrick Henry in what 2015. Okay. Yeah. Derrick Henry won in 2015 because Mark, because other than that, it only yep. other non quarterback to win it was Mark Ingram. So it's like the Alabama running back won it or a quarterback won it. Who was, so who, I mean, hold on, time out. That's you've got me, you've got me intrigued now. I'm just trying to think of who could have won this that was a non quarterback. Let me think. You have it in 2000? Is this correct? Hold on, I'm, I'm looking this up on the fly here because. I'm just trying to think of maybe Charles Woodson is the last non, um, non like running back. I think or I think you're right. Quarterback that won the and that would actually be 30 years. I misspoke. That's what I was thinking of. Is Charles Woodson was the last non quarterback running back to win it when that was what 91? If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Oh no 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 no! Charles Woodson's not that old, brother. Like that's Randy. He he was up. It was 2000. 2001. <laughs> no, no, not that old. Not, not that old. No, um, that that year, um, man, I this is, you know, we'll, we'll I would typically like to have these things. But you Woodson know what? was 97. We, we, got, we got a little time here. Um, that, yeah, 1997 because yep. Randy Moss came in in 96, uh, played in Division One AA in the 97. So that is the last non non um quarterback or running yep, back to win York was Charles so, Woodson. 23 years. Wow. That's big time. That's awesome to see. 
awesome to see Devonta Smith win that award. Um, and, and highly deserving, right? And like you said, man, I mean, he he absolutely did smoke Bama. I mean, he was the difference in that for them in that thing, was he not? I mean, a hundred percent, right? I mean, he's the reason that they they kind of put kind of put it on Bama the way they did, or excuse me, the way Bama put oh, it on undoubtedly three touchdowns. I mean, that guy's a machine. And like you talked about losing Waddle, if you had both of them on the field at the same time, I mean, Alabama would be even more difficult to defend, more impossible to defend, but that would also make it easier for Devonta Smith to put up Heisman-like numbers without Waddle in the field. The fact that he's still produced like this, I mean, good Lord, man. That's a testament to the kind of player he is. True. It's very true. I mean, granted, a little, maybe a little easier because of the way Nodja Smith uh, – <laughs> Nodja Smith, the way, way Nodja Harris runs the football, um, that, that helps a little bit in that but yeah I mean it's incredible man and the reason I wanted to get into the playoff a little bit too was because Zach I'm going to say this man I think Trevor Lawrence against big time big time competition typically comes up small and I think that's going to be really interesting moving forward when he gets on a team in the NFL it's not good I see him getting rattled a lot and he saw that a lot against that's a bold team. prediction right yeah. there my friend so you are you questioning whether he should go first overall I, I just uh, oh, if man. I had to pick, I'm taking Justin Fields 100% over Now, I will give you this. Justin Fields 100%. impressed the absolute hell out of me. He takes that hit in the ribs, just completely gets rocked. Hell of a hit. Terrible call. I completely, Green, I completely terrible agree. call on the targeting. That's a, that's a great hit call. on Skalski's part. Well, we won't get into that. But the fact that he was able to make the plays he did after that when he was in visible pain, obviously, you know, he was able to stay out there and perform – Reports came in that he didn't have broken ribs, but still playing with bruised ribs like that, it was hurting him almost every throw right after the injury. Came out there and threw a bomb to Olave for 60 yards, if I'm not mistaken. That shows some freaking toughness, man. And if you're drafting a quarterback, that's something you want, a guy who can just tough it out and still perform. I was highly impressed with what he did. Yeah, and he's mobile. He's tough. It's hard to beat. Right. Yeah, tough, accurate, and mobile. I mean, those are things that kind of win you uh, winning national championships. And I think in the pros, I think that's just even more crucial, right? But we've also seen in games like that, he's able to gut it out. And, in, in, like, even the Northwestern game where you look bad, you know, he's still – there's just something about Justin Fields I really, mm. really, really like. And I'm a Buckeye hater through and through, but he impresses the hell out of me. When people say, oh, he's the same type of quarterback as Cardell Jones or Dwayne Haskins. Get out of here with that comparison. Um, some of those deep balls he threw the other night, I mean, those were perfect, picture-perfect on dimes. And, uh, yeah, I think I'd take Justin Fields. And I think there's potentially some mm-hmm. people that say the Jaguars are going to do that anyway. Like, they've fallen in love with him. And the Jaguars now, here's a scenario for you. Too, if they really been want. some talk here and there, maybe not 100% accurate, but at least some chit-chat of, uh, of Urban going to Jacksonville. Imagine a reunion there with him and Fields. Interesting. Nope, very, he brought him there, if I'm not mistaken, he but he didn't get to coach him. Yep, he did. Be, uh, he did, 100%. Ur- Urban and I don't know if that's, that's something, right there. something that will happen, of course, but there's there's been a little, little rumble out there about it possibly being a, a 
shot for him to go to the Jacksonville. So I'd love to see it. I think it'd be interesting as hell. I think that uh, he's an excellent coach and any team would be, be lucky to have him. But, you know, that might incline them a little a little more to go for Fields over yeah. Lawrence. It'd be at least a conversation if that were to happen. Oh, 100%. Um, at that point in time, if, 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 if Urban's there, you know, who knows what might happen. Or he might get with Lawrence because we've seen situations in the past where you thought, you know, oh, this guy, we're definitely going to take this quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think it was Sanchez with Pete, with Pete Carroll, right? And he went for us, for Russ. And uh, so maybe, you know, maybe he, maybe Urban wasn't able to recruit Trevor Lawrence to Ohio State. You know, maybe Dabo beat him to it and he would take Trevor anyway. But man, I just, there's just something about him, dude. I kind of even like Zach Wilson from BYU um, potentially over Trevor because I just feel like things have always been so easy for Trevor, man. And that, to me, is concerning when you have a pro quarterback, right? Especially who's going to go to an awful team. Things are not going to be easy when you first start. And does that stunt your growth and development long-term? Well, that's one reason you like Burrow so much coming out. I could see that, yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. Tua right now, correct? Right? I mean, think about it. It's Yeah. I mean, now he's not getting you – know, these guys aren't getting Bama open, right, for him with the Dolphins? That's always a possibility. I mean, he wouldn't be the first uh, number all, number one overall quarterback taken to, to bust, and he certainly won't be the last. But by that same token, you're talking about having to go through some adversity, go through some tough times, and that molding you into a true leader and an excellent quarterback and just everything that goes into that. That's why – so many people like Joe Burrow, I think, too, because he had to face some adversity throughout his career. Ohio State didn't get the chance to be a starting quarterback, stuck it out for a little bit, finally transferred to LSU, didn't quite have the first season in, in uh, Baton Rouge that would have been expected of him. Mm-hmm. Tough through that, mm-hmm. kept working, and then everybody knows what he did his last year at, at uh, LSU, and he really made himself into just that, overall outstanding top overall caliber pick. And, you know, obviously we all probably think that he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks out there for many years to come. So you're right. I, I think that that could be a possibility from Lawrence's perspective. I will say though, I I love his skill set. He's insanely accurate and he's got the stature. He's got the build. He's, he's got all the tools and he can run the, Mobility of quarterbacks moving forward in the NFL is going to be huge. You don't see guys really succeed anymore, you know, unless you've got a savvy veteran like some of the older guys in Brady and Ben and those kind of guys who have been in the game long enough to know how to kind of do without that running ability. But the young quarterbacks that are coming up now, they've got at least some form of mobility to where they can run down the field a little bit and get out of the pocket. And I feel like that's one thing that Lawrence does and has the capability to do very well. Hundred percent, hundred percent with you on that, Zach. I mean, Lawrence has that ability to move out of the pocket and make things happen. I, my whole thing with him, man, is just when when things don't seem to be as maybe rosy as you'd like him to be, he really, really at times seems to struggle. And I think that just that's my question on him, man. I don't still think he's as lockstep the number one guy as maybe everyone wants him to make him out to be. I think that's just kind of how I look at it from him. Um, but, you know, I, I also also wouldn't say that, that there's 
that people who think he's not going to be – then people think he's going to be a good quarterback. I don't think that's necessarily wrong either. I think he's probably going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. But I'm not sure that he is the clear-cut number one, you know. Um, and, and, and that, to me, I'm not sure he's the type of guy that, you know – I'm not sure he's Josh Allen. Man, who would have thought you would say that a couple of years ago? That's Trevor Lawrence. In the <laughs> or even last year. Hey, I, dude, I've always loved Josh Allen. Or, or hey, or is he going to be a Patrick Mahomes type in the pros, right? Like, you have that question about him um, because it, you just do. Thank you guys for joining us there. We, we tackled it all, didn't we? We even had to cut it short. We had a lot of NFL playoff uh, discussion that we got into, which uh, I'll probably bring it back here later on before Saturday comes around. Um, but we thank you all very much. And uh, like I said, we'll come back with maybe a little playoff conversation on playoffs, like Jim Moore would say, uh, in the NFL later on in the week. Um, and, and you know what? Great opportunity, like we said, ahead of the basketball team here with Texas and Baylor. A little Texas two-step. One of them's in the Mountain State this time, though. Not all uh, out in the Midwest. Um, thank you guys again, and y'all take it easy. Till next time. Mm-hmm.